The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What a match! What a result! What a finish! What did we watch this weekend? Kasper Tengstead for the second time this season, giving off vibes of Pedro Mantojas from 2005, coming away with the winner. Mefica are top of the table going into the international break. There's a lot to unpack. And episode 177, Mr. Mefica starts right now. Vamos! clubs in the world and um, so I think I love football and if you love football you love Benfica and it Este final de um derby absolutamente 
incrível, apaixonante, com uma reviravolta no final do jogo, já para lá dos 90 minutos. Foi a primeira reviravolta do Benfica na temporada e foi a primeira vez que o Sporting sofreu uma reviravolta na época. Primeira derrota do Sporting, o Benfica igual aos 28 pontos do Sporting e é agora líder com a vantagem do confronto direto. O Benfica já venceu esta época o Porto duas vezes, ganha agora o Sporting e uh, Roger Schmidt tem três jogos com o Sporting tem uh, uma vitória, dois empates com o Porto em quatro jogos tem três vitórias e uma derrota o Sporting vai no décimo grande jogo sem vencer o quarto uh, onde não vence o Benfica e seis com o Futebol do Porto mas que grande final, já vamos ouvir o Rui Águas para já, escrevemos este momento ainda onde há muita gente no, no... What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. I'm your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agostinho, coming to you from the upper northeast corner of the United States of America, out to the entire world, wherever Benfiquistas are listening in English. How is everybody doing whenever you're listening to this? It's Tuesday night here when I'm recording. Uh, wherever you are, it is whatever time it is when you are listening, whether you are in the car, driving to work, whether you're at the gym, on the treadmill, whether you are walking your dog, whatever you're doing right now, it's great to be a Benfiquista, isn't it? Wow. Matches like this are the ones that make being a football fan so worth it. These are the These are the matches that hook us in. We suffer sometimes through horrible performances, through horrible seasons. Holding out hope, hanging on to hope for one of these type of matches. And I'm not going to get carried away. No trophy was won. The title was not won. But at the end of the day, I don't think anybody in that stadium or watching on television will especially on the Benfica side, and maybe not on the Sporting side either, we'll ever forget the final three minutes of that match last Sunday. How is everybody doing? Welcome back. It's another week, and it is international break. And to be honest, I was looking forward to this international break because, to be honest with you, this hobby wasn't hobbying recently. I mean, the last episode I put out, I'm almost ashamed to have put out. I was hoping nobody was going to listen to it because I completely had nothing in me to talk about that Sociedad match and to talk about the state of the team. And, um, yeah, I, it was maybe the best. I don't want to say the best. It was the highest overnight download numbers I've done all season. Unfortunately, I did not want so many people to listen to me in that light. Uh, but just like Befica, I said I'd be back, and I am. And uh, ready to, to build anew, just like the squad on the pitch is ready to build anew. No, not everything has been fixed. I'm not saying that. I am by no means trying to insinuate that. There's much work to be done on the pitch and here on the podcast as well. Uh, but I'd much rather be where I am tonight than where I was, well, one week ago tonight when Befica were beaten at... Uh, at Sociedad in the Champions League. That's a distant memory for me now. No, it's not out of the memory, but um, those feelings are a memory now, and it's time during this break to look back, to be rational, to, to analyze, 
and to make adjustments and to make a plan for the next micro cycle of the season, which now takes us through to the somewhat of a holiday break that we have in this league um, or to the possibly through the to the final four of the league cup is that the next time we stop after this uh after this international break i think we stopped for only a couple days at the holidays but i think there is uh there's league cup matches to play in that window plus there's more tasa matches coming up the next time we see benfica will be a tasa match we don't yet know the opponent it'll either be family count or kamasha whoever wins that match that i believe is being played this coming weekend but that match Last Sunday against Sporting, that derby is a derby that will be remembered for a long, long time. Regardless of where the table goes this season, regardless of where everyone finishes at the end of the season, this is a match, this is a derby that's going to be replayed and replayed and replayed and remembered. And I'm going to talk about this one for the next hour or so with you here on Mr. Benfica. I want to start off, though, um, before, before, uh, you heard, you heard there up top, you heard the, the BTV version of how it ended at the, at the Stadio de Luge, a two minutes or so of just raw emotion and, uh, Elder Kundutu, uh, narrating so perfectly. Those of you that understand Portuguese understood what he said. If you don't, you don't need to know what he said, obviously. It, I played that for the sound of the crowd, the singing, and just the, the, total environment it felt like we had our stadium back it felt like our fan base was one again it took until stoppage time but it felt like we finally had our fan base back it felt like the the love and the affection between the players and the fans was back as you as i watch fans spill out of the stands onto the onto the pitch i mean my goodness that could have been a disaster i'm not negating that by the way that from a public security and public safety standpoint was a nightmare but from a raw emotional romantic footballing standpoint that is the kind of stuff dreams are made of especially if you're Joan Hevge or if you're Kasper Tankstedt to see the same people the same fans that criticize the team when when times are tough quickly welcome that team back into their open arms as soon as as, as you win a match in that fashion I mean this this one is going to be one that's going to stay with me for a very long time but I want to to say something before I proceed with with this episode. Okay, this match did come with a heavy heart for me. Um, Saturday before the match was kicked off, I learned, and we, my family, learned uh, my grandfather's cousin, uh, who he's very close with, passed away. Okay, they've both passed now. My grandfather's cousin. Prim Faustin passed away, and and Prim Faustin was a diehard Sportingista. Okay, like most of my my relatives, was a diehard Sportingista. But what was special about him uh, was he was really one of the good ones. He was a kind man, and um, he he when when I talk football with him over the years, it was always cordial. It was always playful. It was always in good spirit. He was never. An anti Benfica, okay. He he never exhibited, never expressed that. It was he he rooted for his team, but he always gave credit where credit was due. And him and I talked football a few times. We had some good. We had a few, especially 
in the later years as he became more active on Facebook and I, I started talking to him more on Facebook. And I'll never forget, I want to share this, and I'm sorry, uh, this isn't too relevant to, to the match or to the episode, but I do want to share this. Um, back in 2018, when, when Kaldish was going on their run to the semifinals of the of the Taça de Portugal, of the Portuguese Cup, okay, a lot of the matches were not televised. Him and I both <laughs> found ourselves both watching streams, and if you want to call it that, on Facebook of people at the matches, people we knew, who were turning on their phone and recording the match and, and streaming it live to Facebook from their phone. We saw three rounds that way, the two of us, and we shared and exchanged a lot of messages uh, watching Calder's win. If if my memory serves me, three penalty shootouts to advance to the semifinals. And I remember uh, just cheering with him. Uh, he was also at my father's house for a couple of the really big wins for Portugal at Euro 2016 when when we won that okay he was at my father's house at Euro 2004 when Portugal beat Spain on a goal from Nugomshim and his son Nelson my cousin Nelson Nelson I love you brother and uh, I'm here for you and um, I can't imagine what you're going through right now and uh, I just wanted to shout out my family there um, they are Sportingistas they are good Sportingistas and um, I know this this has been a absolutely horrible weekend for them, but I also want to uh, not just give my condolences, but I want everyone to to remember that we get wrapped up in these matches, we get wrapped up in this, we get behind our teams, yes, but in the other team section are human beings just like us. And a lot of insults get thrown around, and the older I get, the less comfortable I am with the the insulting that goes back and forth between fans. I I'm really bothered to at this point in my life. Every time I see videos of what should be great moments of goals, why fans can't celebrate without flashing middle fingers when they celebrate a goal, or why it's it's you know certain language that has to be used in celebration. Um, remember that people supporting the other clubs are people too and uh, I don't want to dampen the spirit obviously but I just um, want to say I don't know how to say this but uh, you know life, life is precious life is short football is great football makes life it gives life something extra but for the love of God, let's stop beating each other up. Let's stop with the violence at football. Let's stop with the insults at football. Let's learn to uh, coexist with each other. Let's support our teams and not insult the others. And I'm guilty of this too. Let me let me be the first one to give you the mea culpa. I am, I am guilty of this too, especially when it comes to the club up north. I don't have the same hostility or resentment for the for for Sporting. I admit that. Uh, but again, I, I, uh, entered this match with a little bit of a heavy heart. I, I do admit this match really lifted my spirits. Um, but then I realized it was at the expense of, of some, some family members who are going through a hard time right now. So I just want to extend, you know, my sympathy and, um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a break off that. All right, uh, I'm gonna go to a break. Uh, let's listen to Roger Schmidt on the way out. Actually, before we do that, let me address Roger Schmidt for a moment. Okay, Roger Schmidt getting heat in the media, getting heat. Uh, a formal complaint has been uh, has been levied against him or filed against him. And this is precisely why I said in the last episode that I really don't have a problem with him not speaking Portuguese because this media would completely twist everything he has to say. And um, I have no issues with this from Roger Schmidt, okay? I know the guys at, at BI, at Benfiquinpinet, were a little upset with these comments. I have no issues with these comments. The way he's been treated by the media this season and the way it's been antagonistic when the other managers in the league are not facing the same antagonism. Dare I say it may even be a little bit of xenophobia because he is a German, because he, he views the game differently, because he speaks differently, because he doesn't get emotional. It's like they're trying to pull something out of him. Well, we saw emotion from our usually stoic German manager this weekend, both in the good and the bad, if you want to call it bad. I don't really call it bad. He's been... He's been in my opinion, mistreated with, with insulting questions from a lot of journalists all season, and probably not from this journalist. Maybe this particular journalist didn't re- deserve this. But uh, here's Roger Schmidt, and um, I think a lot of us liked this answer, to be honest with you. Uh, have a listen here. Uh, good evening. Uh, is the, in your opinion, is the uh, the result better than the exhibition? Then the Why you think like that? Performance, because yeah. we think played what is, what is your against opinion? ten. What is your opinion? Do you think we don't deserve to win? I don't know. I ask you. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but if you ask like that, I think it's clear. What is your opinion? Probably you are from Sporting or from Porto. I don't know. I think I see one team today who played uh, good football and who believed until the last second and who deserved to win. So very clear. Probably you are from Sporting or from Porto. He says. And this this little this little backhanded uh, comment apparently uh, just really set off a lot of people. But it's funny when a certain other manager in the league uh, he shouts all kinds of insults when he storms out of out of the out of the press conference without answering questions. When a, a journalist asks a question and he re- says he won't answer any from him, you don't get the same outcry. It is funny. It is funny how it's. Um, such a problem when the foreign manager uh, has a little bit of spunk, but uh, apparently when a when a domestic manager, when a Portuguese manager, he can he can curse and he can he can insult all he wants, and he can shout all he wants, and uh, the syndicate for journalists, you know, they they're fine with that. Yeah, um, was the comment uncalled for? Perhaps, but again, this is a question he's been getting asked every time Benfica win. Okay. Come up with better questions. You are journalists. This is your job to ask thoughtful questions, not easy questions. Now, this was a great football match played by two teams that both played to win this match, in my opinion. And it's not just my opinion. Many of the neutrals, I think, really enjoyed this match and thought both teams went for it. Okay. Yes, Benfica didn't play as well as last season, but that was 12 months ago the last time we played like that. Okay, the expectation people need to move on from the fact that we're not playing as well as last November or last October. Okay, we never reached that level again. There's there's very obvious reasons why. 
And maybe the puzzle pieces don't fit as cleanly this season. But my God, I've never seen a gutsier performance from a football team. Uh, I've never seen a more a more passionate def- uh, defense from a defending champion to defend their title with their you know, for all intents and purposes, the title hopes hanging in the balance. We were three minutes from being six minute from being six points down on the in the table. Three minutes from being six points behind them to finishing the night ahead of them on on head to head. Of course, you're going to bring a question like that. You could have worded it a million ways. You could have said. Was the, you know, both teams played well tonight. Do you think that Sporting were hard done by the result? Was was a draw more, you know, more fair of a result? There's a million ways you can ask that question. Yet you ask, is the res- once again, the result is better than the exhibition. First of all, the word is not exhibition. It is performance. I'll forgive that because English is not his first language. And we're dealing with a manager who also doesn't speak Portuguese. So neither one is communicating in their first language to each other. I get it. But th- th- I've heard this voice ask this question five times this season. Come up with something a little more original. okay? If the managers are going to be criticized for their work, and if the media is going to be criticizing managers for their work, then the manager has the same right to criticize the media on their end for not doing their homework, for not coming up with better questions than they came up with there. okay? That That's where I stand on that. We'll hear more from Roger Schmidt later in the episode. Um, but right now, I'm gonna take uh, my. I'm gonna take a break here and um, recollect myself here. Get ready to get into the match and talk about the match. Uh, time for a little music break and time to hear Reconquista, of course. Don't forget, if you haven't already, go to Twitter, go to the X, whatever you want to call it, and throw me a follow. I'm at Mike Agustinho. That's at M I K E A G O S T I N H O. Follow the show as well at at Benfica Mister, excuse me, and also on Instagram at Mister Benfica. And um, if you want to head on over to www.mrbenfica.com for um, for some more some more content, I I still have a video analysis up there. If you go into the blog, it is still there from from back at the Real Sociedad match. And uh, yeah, I'll be right back to talk some more about this classical derby, this classical derby, one that I think we're going to remember for many, many years. This is Mr. Benfica here on the PTB Media Network. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de 
Ficas sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Good evening, Mr. Roger Schmidt. What is your opinion about this match? And tell me about the importance of this victory to Benfica. Yeah, I mean, the first place against the second, uh, so the importance, I think, is clear. Um, it was also clear before the match that if we win today, that we are first in the league. So that's the position we want to have at the end of the season. Um, yeah, and I think uh, to win a derby uh, more beautiful than we did today is impossible. So I think it was very dramatic. Um, very good football match in total. I think the first half already a lot of um, intensity, good football. I think we missed um, top chances uh, in, the, in the first half to, to score the first goal. And then with the um, in the last second of the first half, we conceded the, the 1-0. So it was a um, yeah, it was a, for the mentality with a very difficult uh, goal and story of the game. And um, after after halftime with the red card, of course, um, we tried everything to to win the game, to believe uh, always in our in our quality and also that we are able to win the game and in my opinion what the players did today was fantastic so I think um, yeah, they showed uh, until the last second that they, they want to win I think for us was a very difficult uh, time because we played um, the last seven days or ten days we played three away matches in Aruca, in Chavez, in Real Sociedad it's not easy for the players always uh, to recover and when you have to play a derby um, in this um, situation um, also regarding the, the standings I think uh, to mobilize uh, again uh, all the all the power all of the fuses um, I think and then with the story of the game I think um, then yeah, if you are able to win this game then you show a great character great mentality and um, I think also quality so I think we deserve to win um, today and we are very happy welcome back to episode 177 of Mr. Benfica gonna get into the match now at the Stadio de Luz and uh, well predictions were all over the place going into this match we knew Artur Suarez Dias was going to be the referee and to be honest I thought I this is you know our rivals aren't gonna want to hear this but I thought he did he did a fine job. Um, I really don't have too many complaints from him other than the fact that he missed a clear penalty in Befica's favor in the eighth minute. But um, that's more on the VAR than it is on him. And uh, I know the other side of Lisbon doesn't feel the same way. I know the green and white side uh, thought that he, he helped us. And, it, and there's the repeated question. And going back to, you know, the question for Roger Schmidt again. And this is something that's becoming annoying because... Every time Befica wins in one of these big matches, people point out that uh, we played 11 on 10. Not one person, not one person points out that the one loss we have in this cal- in this uh, league season this year, we were down to 10 men. Essentially, Sporting lost this match to Benfica almost the exact same way Benfica lost to Boavista. Benfica had Amusa sent off. 
for a, a quite honestly a more questionable sending off. There's no question. It was uh, his ball. His foot rolled on the ball and caught the opponent in the shin. Now, at the time, I said, "Fine, I'll accept that as a red card because that's been called a red card." Uh, in this league. Since that day, it has not been consistently called a red card. We've seen stamping after stamping be forgiven, including in this match, including in the eighth minute in the penalty area. But, again, I digress. What happened to Sporting in this match is almost identical to what happened to Benfica in the Bovista match. So, uh, to me, this is where we say that the referees kind of wash as the season goes on. The calls kind of even out for the for the title contenders and everyone complaining about the referee in this match is 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 drawing a short memory and forgetting that the only reason Sporting are two points ahead or three points ahead going into this match uh remember that they got a goal that even in the referee association whatever you want to call them uh admitted should not have stood Sporting have extra points this season you can complain all you want about Benfica's penalty kick at Shavs. Benfica were already ahead 1-0 at that time. Okay. Now, if Ruben Amorim does not leave Gonzalo Inacio on the pitch on a yellow card, Gonzalo Inacio doesn't get sent off. If Gonzalo Inacio doesn't lunge needlessly at a, at a player that doesn't even have the ball, because he, he misjudged the ball or he misjudged the pass. I don't know why he lunged at Rafa on that play. He doesn't get sent off. Now, it's not Benfica's fault that teams make boneheaded defensive moves against us. That specifically Porto and now Sporting make boneheaded defensive plays that get their players sent off. Those were both legitimate sendings off and let's not talk about the super cup either because pep's uh, theatrical sending off the game was already 2-0 the game was over finito at that point now with that said let's talk about um for a minute sporting coming in the favor for a lot of people i went on nino's show on his on his YouTube before the game, Gold TV's Nino Torres, who calls the games here in in North America in English for us, and uh, he invited me for a little pre match, uh, a little pre match show on his YouTube channel, and um, I was the only guy picking Benfica, of course, and uh, I don't blame anybody, okay, it, but I did say when these matches, just like when we are the team on great form and whether it's Porto or Sporting and they are the team on lesser form I throw form out the window in these matches but anyway here's Nino asking me for my prediction check out what I came up with I'm gonna Mike do what do you think 2-1 to Benfica gonna go up 2-0 gonna 2-1 Benfica right. now that was sh- just slightly before kickoff that I said that and you heard it there I said 2-1 Benfica now he cu- he he stopped me before I could talk myself out of it because I was going on to say that I thought Benfica were going to take the lead two nil and hang on for a for a heart you know for a heart wrenching two one victory, um, but it, it worked in the reverse. Benfica would go down one nil in this one and fight back for that two one victory. And I'm going to be honest as I go into this into this match, I. I believed we were going to draw one. When we were down, I believed we were going to get an equalizer. Um, as as 
stoppage even when stoppage time came on and when I saw six minutes I said we're gonna get an equalizer I didn't never imagined until we did get the equalizer and then I said you know what I think we can get this I think everyone did I think the entire stadium could sense it um, you could sense Sporting were, were panicking a little bit Sporting has a little bit of history of this now once again th- third time in a row Sporting are up on us and can't hold on to the result. Let's go to the lineups then, okay? Um, this is, of course, round 11 of the Tugão, of the Liga Portugal. And it is Benfica hosting Sporting at the Stadio de Luz in front of 62,166. The lineup starting with the visitors for uh, their manager, Ruben Amorim. Uh, Antonio Adan, obviously, in goal. They're playing a 3-4-2-1. And uh, they've got Sebastian Coates, uh, the captain, anchoring the back three with Diomande to his right and Gonçal Inácio to his left. The wingbacks are Ricardo Isgaio and Mateus Reis. While they're double pivot in midfield, you you have here the Danish 24-year-old Morten Humland, uh, who Nino called Morty throughout the entire match, uh, partnering with... A player I'm actually really big on uh, here, Hidmasa Morita, the Japanese international 28-year-old uh, midfielder for Sporting. The two attacking midfielders who I work, I was concerned about, uh, we got Marcus Edwards, the, the Englishman, and the Portuguese international, Pedro Gonçalves, a.k.a. Pot. And, of course, the lethal striker, the signing um, of the year for Sporting. And someone that... Um, I think that we, I think Fabrizio Romano should be letting Chelsea know has a much lower, uh, he has a much lower buyout clause than Enzo Fernandez did, and I think he's going to score more goals. Hey Chelsea, come get this guy off of this team, please. Come destabilize them if you would. <laughs> it of course, I'm talking about Victor Gorkias or Jorkias, the 25-year-old Swedish striker who's very much in form right now. For Benfica, now when the lineup came out, I think Roger played a little bit of a mind game with us, and I think for me, this was a great way to start this this derby. I think Roger, uh, Roger played a little bit of politics here, and on paper we came out in a 3-4-3, three, three, and within 45 seconds you could see we were not playing that lineup when, when all of a sudden Auschnitz uh, lines up on the right, and João Neves is doing what we've seen him do for the better part of almost a year now for about 10 months uh, since, you know, getting his call up and being that box-to-box guy. And suddenly you're like, wait a second. Touche, Roger, touche. I couldn't come up with who was going to play left back. And I, I and I said on the pregame that I was on that um, – I was I didn't expect to see a back three, but then I look at the bench and I said I don't know what else you could do. Well, Roger goes with with Muratu as a left back, which I think works for this matchup. The element of surprise helps. The fact that there's going to be more defending than normal to do as a left back helps, and he's instrumental in in the winning goal. By the way, Muratu is. Um, this was a great play. By uh, by the German manager showing his poker face here uh, in this lineup, 
and and I like it. So Trubin starts in goal. How how enormous was he in this match? I mean, he was a giant. He kept it, you know, he he kept it nil nil and then kept it one one. Uh, a number of times. Auschwitz forced to start out of position, of course, which is becoming his normal position as the right back. Uh, Antonio and Otamendi start as the center backs. And like I said, Moratu starts as the left-sided defender. The double pivot in midfield. The selection for this one was Florentino and João Neves. I like this. I really liked what I saw from Florentino in this match. Just recovering ball after ball after ball. The ball winning and the recovery, something we missed. Yes, he missed some passes going forward. I get it. That's not what he brings to this team. That's something he, he needs to improve on, and he will improve on the more he continues to play. Um, again, I, did he make mistakes? Yes, but how many times did he win that ball back? And the one thing, the one improvement Benfica showed in this match versus the previous three was their ability to win balls back. And we started winning them higher, especially early in the match. I think we surprised Sporting a little bit, and we we put a little bit of pressure on them in their own end a bit. And uh, it was it was a good it was a good surprise to see this lineup and to see this formation return. The attacking three. Uh, the attacking three midfielders, if you will. Not really midfielders, but an attacking three behind the striker. Rafa's playing in the number 10 position. João Mario on the left. And Angel Di Maria on the right. And put your hands up right now if you are calling for Di Maria to be subbed in this match. Di Maria creates the winning goal on the dribble. He creates the... He creates the defensive imbalance. He creates the players being pulled out of position. Di Maria nearly won it. I mean, nearly tied it, you know, moments earlier, five minutes earlier, with his left foot forcing a big save from Adan. Um, he was invisible for large stretches of this match, but like great players do in big matches, Di Maria became very, very productive in key moments. And, and Petar Musa gets the start at striker. Uh, once the match kicked off, I was very, very happy uh, with with it. And um, actually, I thought the first half up until the goal went pretty as well as, as could have been expected. Sporting were good. Yes, they were good. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from Sporting in this match. I think they played very, very well. And... Um, I think that they created plenty of chances. There's a header that comes to mind. Uh, I think it was Diomond that got on the end of it. And Trubin makes a fantastic save going all the way to the ground with his right paw to, to keep it out. Uh, there's another one where the ball is flipped up and it, it falls to, I want to say it falls to Pot. And fortunately for Benfica, he hits it right at Trubin. Those are two saves uh, that right off the bat come to mind. Uh, looking at the ticker here. And in the first half, I think it was it was a it was a first half that went back and forth a little bit. I think again, I thought this was Benfica um, improving. Of course, I'm also giving some credit for the difficult the degree of difficulty in the opponent as well. Um, we we see Sporting with their first opportunity in the eighth minute. It's Morton Humiland. Uh He has a right footed shot from outside the box, but he misses left. Rafa has an attempt in the ninth minute. So this is the first uh, key, possibly controversial moment of the match. Uh, the ball is played in. Musa has it. And Musa is stamped on. 
on this play. Uh, everybody misses it. The referee misses it. The VAR misses it. The fourth referee misses it. Of course, what else would you expect from Fabio Verissimo? Um, but the ball does fall to Rafa's feet. And Rafa misses wide. And Benfica were so close to going up 1-0. But on the replay, this should have been reviewed because um, because Musa was not able to get a clean pass off on this play because he, he was stepped on. The ball did find its way to, to Rafa, but uh, it goes it goes wide. He can't quite curl it around, around Adan. And Benfica squander an opportunity, but in the 12th minute, it's it's Benfica again, and it is Rafa again. A right-footed shot from the left side of the box, but this time blocked by Coatish. Um, Benfica again, still in that 12th minute, still in the in the follow-up. Uh, the ball is played across by Di Maria, finds Petar Musa, but his header uh, on the right side of the six-yard box is also blocked this time by Gonzalo Inacio. And uh, Sporting here to show right away that they are they are here to be organized and they are going to they're going to defend well and they're going to allow very little. We keep it moving through the first half here, and uh, Sebastian Coates goes into the referee's book on a yellow card in the 15th minute after fouling Petr Musa. So Musa's getting fouled twice pretty hard in the inside of the first 15 minutes. And keep that in mind because he's the first of Sporting's center backs to get booked. And uh, moving on, we go to the 22nd minute. And now it's Gonzalo Inacio with a, a foul on Jonevs in the attacking half, uh, in Befica's attacking half. Um, and Gonzalo Inacio sees yellow. And at this point, you if you're Ruben Amorim, why are you, you know, you have to be thinking, you have Saint-Just on the bench. You have options on the bench. Your two of your three center backs are booked. This this should cause uh, concern for you, especially when there is a Rafa on Benfica's pitch, on Benfica's uh, team, I should say, that gen- can draw a lot of fouls. There's a Di Maria that can draw a lot of fouls. I even think Benfica could have been better at dribbling at these center backs. Another opportunity for Benfica in the 24th minute. It's João Mario this time, a right-footed shot from the right side of the box. It's close. It misses just wide. And actually, uh, the replay to me shows that Adan makes a save with his fingertips on this one. I think this one either hits the post or sneaks in if Adan does not get his fingertips to it. But the referee gives a goal kick. Four minutes later, Mateus Reis with an opportunity for Sporting to go ahead. Uh, left-footed shot from the left side of the box, but blocked by Nicolas Otamendi. Uh, corner is conceded here in the 29th minute by João Mario. And this is the one I'm talking about. Osman Diomande gets on the end of the ball on the cross that is sent from Pedro Gonçalves from Pot. He gets a clean header on. Benfica has to mark better than this in these situations. He gets a very clean header on. And if not for the fantastic reflexes and the long length of of Anatoly Trubin. Benfica would have been behind earlier here in the first half, but a great save by Benfica's Ukrainian goalkeeper. The The attempts continue, or the chances continue, rather. 31st minute, Hidmasa Morita with a left-footed shot from outside the box. Uh, he misses just left. 33rd, it's Potts' ch- uh, turn. Right-footed shot from the center of the box. 
But this one is saved by Trubin. This is the one that hit him, that was right at him. Marcus Edwards lofts it up over the defense right onto his run, but uh, he doesn't quite catch it as well as he would have liked. Um, and fortunately for us, it hits it hits uh, Trubin right on his legs. Still nil nil thirty six. Benfica with an opportunity, and again it is Rafa. He is generating opportunities here. As poor as he has played, he is getting opportunities. He is creating things. Of course, this match gives him much more room to play in, much more space to to get into than say you know the previous matches against the the Shavs and the Casapias of the world. But he gets in here, and uh, he has a right footed shot from outside the box, but it's high and wide. Uh, Antonio Silva tries a through ball in the 40th to Angel Di Maria, but he is whistle. He is flagged for offside. Otamendi wins a free kick in the in his half to kill a Sporting attack in the 43rd minute. Um, but Sporting win the ball back and they go forward again. But Pot is offside in the 44th minute. But then Benfica, in an attempt to get an attack going forward here, on the stroke of halftime. The ball falls to João Mario. João Mario uh, makes a mistake here and, and loses the ball. And, uh, well, here's what it sounded like. And here is uh, Benfica Nation's heart stopping just before halftime. Everyone respectful to each other. Oh, Marquitas Edwards is coming for Sporting. Filter in the pass for Victor. Jokeric! 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 For Sporting! The Lions! Oh, the almighty Lions! With the first punch of the night! Thanks to the Englishman and thanks to the best striker in the Primera Liga! Right here, right now! Victor Jokeric with a lucky seventh! For the Lions to lead at the very end of the first half! Victor Jorkaez makes it 1-0 to Sparthing right at halftime. Assist from Marcus Edwards. And this was, uh, well, mistakes were going to be paid heavily in this in this one. That's what that's what Zach Lowey said on Nino's uh, pregame show. Zach Lowey is a, a well-known commentator, a well-known, uh, he's a blogger, he's a podcaster, analyst. He's well-known for covering Portuguese football. And he said that this was a match where mistakes were going to be pay- paid for expensively, dearly. And boy, was he right. And Befica were first to make a mistake here. Not only does Romario lose the ball and then get outmuscled by Marcus Edwards, Marcus Edwards then proceeds to blow right past Moratu and play a through ball in to Jorkaez. And then I'm also going to say, because again, um, this this kid is phenomenal. He is he is. An amazing personality in this team. He is a leader at such a young age. But Antonio Silva, in order to be a world-class defender, to be at his potential, this is a shot he's got to do more to block, in my opinion. I don't. I think he holds back on the challenge. I know he's in the penalty area. And for me, watching it over, he extends the wrong foot to try to block this shot. So what happens is he doesn't have quite the same length. He goes with his right foot. I think if he if he extends his left foot instead of his right to try to block this, I think he has a chance at blocking it. And then Trubin also uh, leaves his near post open. There, it's a whole host of, of errors here. Nonetheless, though, a fantastic goal and a brilliant run from the Swedish striker. Chelsea, come get this Swedish striker. 
Premier League teams, you don't need Antonio Silva yet. Like I said, he's you hear that he's got a, still a lot to work on before he's at that level. Yeah, he's got a lot to work on. Two, three years down the road, you can come back for Antonio Silva. But Jorkaez, he's ready now. Come get him. Chelsea, come get him. Manchester United, come get Jorkaez. <laughs> we going to halftime. 1-0. And, um, well... If you got a little bit on the heels, worst possible time to give up a goal. There's no question about that. But if you could get a lifeline here in minute 51, but if you could do start the second half well, and uh, again, I just don't understand what Gonzalo Inacio is doing here. The ball is played from Auschwitz uh, to Di Maria. He, he's playing it, and, and Rafa's running. And for some reason, I don't know if Inacio mistimes this, misreads the pass, if he thinks it's coming to Rafa. But he just lunges as Rafa's running, and and he catches Rafa's trail leg while he's running without the ball. The ball is way past. And he catches him. Uh, Artur Suarez Diaz allows play to continue. Uh, Di Maria tries to create something. His cross, his right foot across comes out a bit crooked, goes out for a goal kick, and suddenly... We see uh, Artur Suarez-Diaz come back towards Gustavo Inacio, Gonzalo Inacio. I think I've been calling him Gustavo Inacio this whole time. My bad. It's Gonzalo Inacio. Um, that That's a horrible mistake on my part. And there is no... Uh, if that's what I've been doing, I'm not going back to edit the, this entire episode. But uh, mea culpa. But uh, Gonzalo Inacio goes in to the referee's book for a second time. I don't know why he lunges at this on a yellow card. This is totally down to two things. This is down to Gonzalo Inacio, and this is down to Ruben Amuri not subbing him off when he had another option on the bench. He explains in the presser after the match that, that Inacio was, was going to be the, the center back that was going to transition between midfield and, and center back, and they lost a lot in losing him and he opted for uh he uh, what he opted to do after was quite um <laughs> well let's get to it but anyway sporting down to 10 men he doesn't react right away we see Marcus Edwards go into the into the book also in the 57th minute and uh so 6 minutes after he goes down to 10 after speaking to his assistants i suppose um Ruben Amorim sends on Saint-Just for Marcus Edwards. And I think this was relief for Benfica as well. Uh, Marcus Edwards coming off. And uh, no longer tormenting uh, Moratu down that left. And Benfica continue to put up the pressure. They continue to go for it in the 61st minute. It's Musa with the right-footed shot, right side of the box. But it's blocked by Saint-Just. Um, Kwatish surrenders a, a corner in the 61st minute and following that corner uh, the ball falls to Joao Mario and he has a right footed shot from outside the box but he misses left moving on to the 64th minute and Roger Schmidt decides to go to the bench here in a move that uh, I don't know how well received this was I mean the Artur Cabral for Peter Musa uh, change makes sense to me I think Arthur brings Something different, and f- honestly, Musa as a starter doesn't convince me, and it pains me to say it. I want to see this guy succeed. I love him coming off the bench. I think he's he's just deadly off the bench for some reason, and when he starts from the beginning, he doesn't have that same clinical ability. He doesn't have that same deadliness, that same uh, scores touch. 
but uh, Cabral comes on, changes the look a little bit, and he's he's a he's a striker. I think that's gonna um, he's gonna try to find spaces a little bit differently than than Amusa would. But then we also get Casper Tinkstedt coming on, which is a bit of a of a surprise. Uh, so Roger goes to a four four two here essentially as he removes uh, Florentino and leaves João Mario and and uh, João Neves to to man the midfield. Tinkstedt goes goes to the attack here um, and plays a you know with twin strikers essentially next to Arthur Cabral and Sporting. Obviously, uh, you know they switched to two to a back four. Also, Ruben did switch to a back four once they were. They were down to 10 men, and I think this is the counter move to that by going to two strikers. Jomario picks up a, a technical foul, not a technical, uh, a tactical foul in the 66, smart one, uh, as he prevents Pot from getting a counterattack going, takes him down, takes him down kind of hard too, and, and takes the yellow card. Uh, in the 69th minute, uh, Humland takes a yellow card as well as he brings down Rafa here, and, and Casa Rafa is back on. I mean, Rafa just a foul drawing machine in this one, like like we're used to. Uh, Mateusz goes down injured here after trying a through ball in uh, in the 69th minute. There's a little bit of a delay, and it forces it forces a double substitution here from Ruben Amuri. And I think this is where, honestly, this is where things start to go south for Sporting. We see Nuno Santos come on, and we see Trincão come on. He switches the wing backs essentially, um, although they're playing more as outside midfielders as well because he switched to a back four. Uh, Trincão comes on for for whatever reason to to replace Potts. I don't think this match was calling for that in any way, shape, or form. Nuno Santos coming on for Batilhos makes more sense, obviously, due to the injury. Rafa wins another free kick in the seventy fourth. Um, He's fouled by Ishgayu, and then João Neves fouls Gorkovic in the 75th. João Neves goes into the referee's book. In the 77th, Angel Di Maria with the left-footed shot from outside the box, uh, saved in the top right corner. This is the one I was talking about. He creates it off the dribble, gets half a yard of space, and then fires one, but Adan makes a great save. And you can see why Roger is keeping... Uh, these are the matches you keep Di Maria on. And, and Di Maria obviously repays his his loyalty here in just a few moments. 78th minute, it's Otamendi with an opportunity. A header inside the box, but saved in the bottom right-hand corner by Adan. And Otamendi catches a, a little bit of an injury. And this is another one that um, wouldn't shock me... If it were called a penalty in the Portuguese league, it would not shock me in the slightest. Uh, I'm not necessarily screaming for a penalty here, but Morita does get Otamendi in the face with a... Is it an inadvertent elbow? Possibly. Does it matter? I don't think so. I'd have to... I'd, I, I'd be interested to hear a neutral interpretation of the rule there. But... Uh, Anyhow, he, he's down for a little bit. He's checked out, but uh, he's back on shortly thereafter as they, they take a look at, they do the, the concussion protocol, obviously, and just make sure that he is all right. 84th minute, Befica still attacking, and again it is Otamendi. This time he gets a header, and again it's it's not on target. This time it's it's over after he gets on the end of a cross from his Argentine compatriot and national team teammate fellow World Cup winner Angel 
Di Maria. Uh, Morita goes down with cramps in the 84th minute. And uh, that's it for Morita. And this is the substitution that I think ultimately costs... Uh, this ultimately costs Ruben Amorim the match here as he brings on Paulinho of all people. Um, rather than bringing on a midfielder. And he explained in the post-match why he was doing it. And I guess... This is a moment here where Paul, where um, Amorim, for me, is making the type of mistakes we sometimes see Pep Guardiola make when he doesn't know what to do. When he's feeling a little bit uh, insecure, he tries to uh, too hard to out-coach. He tries to change something. I think if Amorim had stuck to basics here and did a like-for-like like switch, I think they would have plugged up the, the middle a little bit better. And uh, they would have kept ball winners on on the on the pitch, and made life a little bit harder for Benfica. And I think he ultimately pays for it in the end. Uh, Roger Schmidt sends on Gonçalves for João Mario in the 87th minute, and I wish that this Gonçalves was healthier because I think he brought a spark here in the 87th minute. We didn't get to see Tiago Veia. I wanted to see Tiago Veia, but it didn't happen. But um, we see Gonçal Gedge instead. And Gonçal has a key play. Okay, he has a key play late in this one. But before we get to that, we're going to get to the 93rd minute. Okay. And it is Gonçal Gedge actually with the key play here, uh, bringing the ball down. This is after the green end of the stadium had been had been chanting all age with a couple of, of, of combined passes, knowing there was still plenty of time to go. They were a little too comfortable. They should have known better. They were there last season when, when we did, you know, something very similar. But Gonçal Gedge ends up winning the ball, taking on Trinco and drawing a foul. And that leads to a free kick, a free kick taken by Angel Di Maria. Di Maria sends an, an outswinging uh, left-footed ball into the far corner of the small box of the of the goal area. In that small that that diagonal ball is headed out for a corner by Trincao. And on the ensuing corner, it is Di Maria taking the ensuing corner, and well. I can't do this justice, so Nino, take it away. And now it's only three minutes, and Truven is inside the box. Everyone from Benfica looking for a Hail Mary. Looking for a Hail Mary in Lisbon. Angelito in the skies. No, no, the shot! John Neves! John Neves! The hero again! One more time for the second straight season. John Neves saves Benfica from going down against the Lions. Like the same way he did the last time around. The same way he did. The younger kid stepping up as a hero for the Eagles. <laughs> last minute call. You want to call a last minute call hero? Call the number 87 one more time. And that kid, he won't disappoint you. He won't disappoint you. You are Neves for the Vika and it is 1-1 in Lisbon. All bow down and hail Jon Snow. That's right, João Neves does it again for the second derby in a row in stoppage time. 
And you know what? I think this set piece came straight from the training ground. You know how I know? Because Angel Di Maria delivered the ball perfectly to the near post where Moratu was standing and Moratu perfectly flicked it to the penalty spot where Sporting decided they didn't need to pick up Trubin or João Neves. They had their, their team literally in a line across the, the six-yard box, across the, the goal area, and they forgot to pick up the kid. They forgot to pick up number 87, and they pay the price for it. As Jerome Neves finds the back of the goal. I watched this again today. And I don't know why he is so wide open. I don't know what they were planning to do there. There were two Benfica players open. And perhaps this is something Roger and his staff had seen on tape. Watching Sporting because this play looks like it was designed to go right there. He places Moratu at the near post. A, a big guy to be putting at the near post. And Moratu makes no no attempt here to turn this ball towards goal. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's flicking it back towards the penalty spot where he knows the kid is waiting for it. And Sporting do not pick him up. This is 100% down to... Failed marking. This is down to failed set-piece preparation. And perhaps this is something that Benfica staff saw on video that, that Sporting allows Benfica go level in the 90th plus four. And at that point, I was ha I mean, I lost it here. I started running around my house. I was, I was ecstatic even with the tie because I think going into this international break, ju just down three points would have been like a small victory for us because we'd still be in it. It'd still be in our hands. And, uh, you know, it, I knew the draw was, I knew the equalizer was coming. But as soon as I saw Antonio Silva going over, grabbing and grabbing Artur Cabral and saying, let's go, we're not done yet. I said, these boys are going to pull this out. These boys are going to pull this out. If the clock does not run out, if they get one more opportunity, I think they're going to do it. I said that at that point, and, and I got to give credit to two players here who made this second goal happen, and they don't get credit for this, okay? Everyone's giving credit to Angel Di Maria, and rightfully so. Everyone's giving credit, obviously, to Auschwitz for delivering a perfect ball, and rightfully so. Everyone's giving credit to Tinkstedt for being in the right place, for staying onside, even Rafa staying onside. Uh, it, it's, it's all, you know, they all get their credit, but this second goal doesn't happen, okay? If not for first Gonçal Guedes, okay, what's happening is Benfica are going forward. Di Maria sends a long diagonal ball in the air, drops right onto Guedes' foot. Guedes cuts back to his right, gets a little bit of space, goes to take another touch. It's a little too heavy, and uh, Sporting are about to break out on a counter, and Guedes knocks him down with a hard foul right away. He picks up, he picks up a yellow, I believe. No, he doesn't even get booked. He just gets called for the foul. As he cuts down Sporting's, uh, he cuts down Sporting's counterattack immediately. Okay, immediately Sporting's counterattack is cut down. And had they been allowed to run out this counterattack, I think they could have taken this ball into the corner and run out the clock. And this one finishes one-one. They were not allowed to do that. So Sporting pushes everyone up. Adan takes the free kick, knocks it long. Benfica win it back. Otamendi wins it back, and Benfica start coming down the other way again. 
And again, it's on Gonçal Gedish. And again, it is lost in Sporting with a very poor clearance. Okay, I don't remember which player did this. I think it was the Danish midfielder. Uh, a poor soft clearance. And it was, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was Humiland who also had drawn the foul in the previous uh, sequence. Poor clearance, and Moratu Moratu reads it, and Moratu keeps this ball from going out of play. If this ball goes out of play, time might expire. He gets it, and he quickly finds Di Maria again. Di Maria is gonna receive this ball, and well. Listen to it from Nino here. He's gonna say it that the, you know that that it's an offensive attack and the the referee's gonna allow this final play to 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 go to run before he blows the final whistle. This is a bit long, okay, because we got a VAR check in the middle of it. But here is how it all unfolded in the closing minutes of this derby, the Capital. Last ten seconds of the show. In Lisbon, Guedes, Gonzalo, the pressure, Otamendi going to the left side of the story, Filippo Morato. And there's time for one more. Maybe not. Morty, through traffic. He can steal from Rafa. The time is up, ref. But there's an attack in progress. So he's going to stop there. He's going to wait for one more. Angelito Di Maria, Angelito with the stop. Going with Ragnar, Ragnar! <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, it's an offside! It's an offside! It's an offside! Oh, wait for the drama! You want more drama than this? You want more drama than this? Jesus Lord! is waiting everybody's waiting oh such a dramatic finish in Lisbon this is the capital depends on the VAR officials decision was it or not an offside they will have the final word on this and So calm, so cool, so collected, talking to uh, to Nico Tamendi, talking to a referee. But uh, he's not outside. He's not outside. Is is that that leg from St. Just? Uh, for me, it's not. It's a goal! It's a goal! And the Eagles pull off a miracle in Lisbon to win the Lisbon Derby! Rogers, man, you better believe it! Oh, you better believe it! What an amazing finish! What a spectacular finish of this 179th edition of the Lisbon Derby! And the Eagles came from behind to take away the victory from the Lions in the very last second! second of the match sensational man sensational oh man what an absolute party in Lisbon and tonight Lisbon will be red
In the most dramatic of manners, I said this, I tweeted this. I got some heat from some Sporting and some Porto fans about this tweet, saying that this was precisely the manner in which we needed to win this match in order to get this team, this fan base, this board, this coaching staff all back together in one. At least mend some of that, some of those broken relationships, right? But after the long delay, you can see originally it looked like a goal. It looked clean on television. It looked onside. But uh, the linesman puts his flag up for offside. And Artur Suarez picks up the ball. You know he's whistling for full time as soon as the, the review comes in from the VAR. And we get a bit of a delay. You could hear it there. But if you listened there in the, in the, if you listened through that entire uh, segment there of audio, from Goal TV, uh, and the sound obviously came from Naj, not from Goal TV. But you, but you know what I mean. And you can hear the fans at the Stade de Luz starting to get louder because at this point, as they're watching it on their phones, and as they're it's making its way around the stadium, they can see that this is onside. The only question, the only question here was whether or not Rafa touches the ball when he tries to to score with his heel. He tries to heel flick it into the goal. That is the only question because if he does in fact touch it there, then Tigstedt is offside. On the original ball, neither one of them is onside. Uh, he's offside, excuse me. Rafa's onside by four centimeters. Hey, we've had a goal called off by two centimeters. So I ain't, listen, again, it comes around. Um, but Tigstedt is well onside. And you can see when you're watching the replay that Rafa completely misses it. Fortunately, that would have just been his luck and Benfica's luck if he had caught uh, enough of had caught caught it in the slightest of manner to not redirect it on goal and to uh, prevent Tengstedt's tap in from going in. Tengstedt again. This is one thing he does. There's a lot he does not do for a team like Benfica that Benfica need in a striker. But one thing he does. He knows where to put himself in the box in these situations. We saw him with limited opportunities. We saw him do this against Strela earlier in the season. And we saw him do it again here against Sporting in the biggest game of the season thus far. Especially given the context that this was the final kick of the match. A dream, dream finish for Kasper Tengstedt. A dream, dream finish for Sport Lisboa Benfica. And finally... When Artur Suarez this feels like redemption for me because I remember him two seasons ago when we, when P, we thought Pizzi had beaten Porto when he scored. On, I'm going back to the two centimeters, of course, and we saw Artur Suarez do the that box gesture with his fingers for the VAR and put his arm up with that smirk. There was no smirk this time, but he made the box and pointed to the center circle, signaling that the goal was good, the game was over, and Benfica take all three points from this derby at the Stadio de Luz. Benfica go top of the table. Yes, it's on goal. It's only on head-to-head, -head. but from where we were just three minutes before that, Damn, it was a good night to be a Benfiquista. Damn, it's been a great week to be a Benfiquista. And um, as much as I was, I was actually looking forward to this international window to get a little break from this and to to do other things for a little while. 
Man, the moment that final whistle blew, in the moment my blood pressure, my blood pressure came back to normal. The moment my heart rate came back to normal, I said, "Damn, why can't we just have another game next week? I want to see this team play again." This is the sickness we all have. We are rabid football fans. We are rabid Benficistas. And it's matches like this that make a cure impossible. Benfica win a 2-1 on a magical night. Listen, honestly, all honesty, a fantastic match played by both teams in my opinion. I don't believe that Benfica played zero for 90 minutes. I think we still are very bad at giving credit to our opponents in many cases. I think Sporting were very good. And um, I think that this this is just... I'm hoping that this is the type of match that when we look back in May, we're going to say the, the season changed at that match. That this was the moment that Benfica's trajectory changed. That Benfica chose the correct path back to the title, back to 39. It's early, early days. None of that has been decided. But what has been decided is that these three points on this night in this derby stay at the Stadio de Luz with Sport Lisboa Benfica. Let's look at the goal point now and see how some of the guys did. I'll give the ratings for Sporting first. Uh, Adan has a 5.4. Ricardo Esgaio on the wing, uh, 5.8. Diamando, 5.5. Uh, Humland, the, the midfielder, 6.5. Coates was their best player with the 6.9. Borita, 4.9. Gonzalo Inácio, 3.7. And Mateus Reis, 5.4. Uh, Pedro Gonçalves with a 5.6. Marcus Edwards, 6.3. And Victor Jorquez, 6.1. Off the bench, Saint Just, 5.1. Nuno Santos, 4.8. And Trincão, 4.4. Paulinho, not in the match long enough. To earn any type of a rating. Sporting's team rating was a 5.64. With an XG of 0.7. Okay, 0.7. Most of that obviously coming when they had 11 men. On the other side, Benfica with a team average of 6.38. XG for Benfica in this one. 1.7. One goal better than Sporting on the XG front. And... um, for as much as, uh, yes, Sporting played well, Benfica missed some some opportunities to go ahead. Rafa hit the the crossbar on one. I didn't touch on that one yet where he cut it back on his right foot and hit the crossbar in the far corner. Uh, Benfica could have just as easily gone into halftime up 1-0 or it could have been 1-1 given the way that that first half played out. Trubin is a 6.1 in this one. Auschwitz, 7.3. Antonio Silva, 6.5. Otamendi, 6.0. Moratu with an 8.1. Moratu was enormous in this match. He gets credit for the assist um, on Joanevs' goal. And like I said, I think he gets cre- he gets a lot of credit on that second goal for, for, for recovering that ball so quickly, not letting time expire, and transporting it <laughs> by way of a long ball to Angel Di Maria. Uh, very, very good performance from, Di- from, uh, from Moratu. Excuse me. Romario 5.2, not his best day again, and he he continues to struggle in these derbies. But um, again, a professional performance nonetheless, but he, he is one of the main culprits there in the first goal. But again, he he has two or three you know colleagues who also uh, will share the blame with him. Joanevich, 8.6, he's the man of the match on goal point. He's the man of the match for the Liga Portugal. 
He is just Benfica's star right now. And if you don't have 120 million, stay away. I'm talking to you, Manchester United. I'm talking to you, Juventus. I'm talking to anybody else who thinks they're going to come get Jerome Neves. There's a difference between Jerome Neves and Enzo Fernandez, I'd like to believe. And that's Jerome Neves bleeds this club. He feels this club. And I don't think he wants to leave this club midseason, no matter how much money gets thrown in his face. Uh, he's an intelligent kid. And I think he's seen the struggles his uh, his academy mates have have suffered from leaving too early. Look no further than uh, than Gonzalo Ramos, one of our most important players last season. Now reduced to a very minimal substitutes role at PSG, when he could have been you know tearing it up in, in with us for another season. And increasing his value and probably increasing himself and putting himself probably on a better team, in all honesty, than that garbage PSG team that he is on right now. Yeah, I said that. Florentino, 6.6 in 64 minutes of good performance from him. Like I said, great ball winning uh, performance, lots of recoveries. Di Maria had a 6.2, Rafa 4.7, and Musa 5.1 off the bench. Artur Cabral 5.1, and Tengstedt 5.9. Gonzalo Gedge doesn't play long enough to get a rating, but he factors in the final result and in the two goals. Benfica outshoots Sporting 14-8 in this one, while on goals, Benfica wins that battle as well, 4-3. Uh, actions in the opponent's area. Both of these teams with good numbers here. 29-23 to 23 in favor of Benfica. Obviously playing half the match up a man. Uh, does skew that just a bit. Six corners to four in favor of Benfica. While the pass efficiency is 82% for Benfica. 79 for Sporting. Vertical pass efficiency is where it needs to be for this team. 70% for Benfica. Only 59% for Sporting as they were... Late in the game, sending a lot of passes. Again, Benfica's winner comes because because of an inefficient vertical pass from Sporting. Actions in the opponent's midfield. Benfica wins this stat 15-8. to I said they won a lot of balls back. Uh, and, and this stat line reflects that. Uh, Benfica commits only nine fouls, though. Some of them crucial. But I still I like seeing Benfica committing about 15 fouls a game. Nine is too low, in my opinion. Uh, it allows the opponent to have too much rhythm, and I think a lot of the difficulty Benfica had in, re- in controlling large stretches of that first half uh, could have been remedied a little bit with the, with some some more fouling high up the pitch and not allowing play to build. Fifty three to forty seven is the edge in possession to Benfica. Uh, looking at just some of the other uh, points here from goal point, to see what else they 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 showed. Um, in the 72nd minute, Benfica still had not had a shot on goal. Uh, they had plenty of shots, but they had not put any on goal yet in the 72nd minute on Adan. Adnan. Um, so uh, they end up winning that battle four to three, but all four of those coming in the last quarter of an hour of the match. Interesting stat there. In the 88th minute goal point, uh, it reports that Benfica has never made so many, had never, yeah, never attempted so many crosses in a Liga match. That's amazing. I think they mean this season, but uh, no, it says nunca tinha feito tantos cruzamentos 
no jogo desta liga. 23 crosses attempted by Benfica in this uh, match. And from that, from the way it's written there, I assume that's ever. I don't know. Um, only a 13% efficiency, though. Uh, you'd like to see that improve, but they did stay at it. You have to give them credit for staying with it. And when it mattered most, they did deliver. Uh, they did deliver the the necessary quality ball to get the goals. Uh, in in past tendencies, Antonio to Auschwitz 12 times, Otamendi to Morato 12 times, Romario to Di Maria 11, Auschwitz to Di Maria 10, and Morato to João Mario 10 as well. Benfica completing more passes than Sporting. Uh, looking at at uh, at Drone Nevge's heat map here, it's all over the pitch. He's got spots everywhere. This kid does it all. I mean, he I shouldn't say it. he's not that good. He's not that good. Uh, the guy on the other side is much better. If you're Man United or if you're Chelsea, you should be going for Morita and not for Drone Nevge. Don't let this game fool you. Uh, he's too expensive anyway. You you shouldn't be barking up this tree. Drone <laughs> Nevge with the goal here, um, and he has a. 0.9 XG, which is a fantastic XG for him. Uh, he has a 91% pass efficiency. He attempts six dribbles and completes four of them. Wins 17 duels. This kid is a ball, not just a baller. This kid is a battler. He's a fighter as well. He punches way above his weight. 17 duels won. Seven steals and four interceptions for João Neves for John Snow in this one. Uh, Philippe Moratu also with a fantastic uh, performance here as he, his heat map is red hot down the left. Uh, he covers most of it. He's a big guy to be covering that flank, and he got forward his fair share here. Uh, he won one dual air, uh, aerial duel. That's all he was asked of. He had he had one attempt, one win. Uh, he had an assist in this one, like we said. Four defensive actions in the opponent's midfield. Nine steals. For uh, Morato here, two clearances and 15 recoveries of possession for Felipe Morato. I've been critical of this kid. Not today. Not today. Well done, son. Well done in this match. Valeu as he uh, is a big reason Befica leave with three points here. Um, again, the the duels, frequent duels. This is an interesting stat as well that, that goal point put out there. As uh, João Neves wins five to two in duels over over uh, Muland, while Antonio ne- Antonio Silva wins five to one in duels over over Victor Gorkaez, and João Neves wins duels five to one over Victor Gorkaez. Um, they just outworked Sporting down the stretch. I mean, it, these are numbers that don't lie. And uh, these are numbers not being talked about really anywhere. This is this is something I think that should be talked about a little bit more. Moratu also wins four duels uh, to two over Humland, and Musa wins. Uh, he loses his battle actually, uh, four to two with Koatish in duels. But those were the most frequent duels on uh, on the night. And um, again, just a lot of good stuff over at Goal Point. If you want to go check it out, www.goalpoint.com. PT. Let's go around the league before we say goodbye for this episode 117. All right, Liga Portugal round number 11. Uh, it is in the books now. Starting back on Friday, November the 10th, Istoril 4 0 winners over Casa Pia. Are you serious? What a start for Vasco Siabra at uh, 
Estoril. I mean, this is turning some heads. They go win at the Drago, and suddenly they can do it all. And shockingly, after this match, Philippe Martinez steps down. He asks for his re- he asks uh, for his release, and he steps down as manager of Casapia. Casapia having a good season. This one it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Just two weeks ago, he's at the Luge earning a point, and now he's he's beaten. Handily, 4-0 by Istoril. Perhaps the writing was already on the wall and the team knew he was out and uh, perhaps they didn't really leave it out there for him. But nonetheless, Istoril making a point here and letting everyone know that eh, don't count them out yet. They played this match. They played this match in front of a home crowd of 2,896 Moving to Saturday, Portimones hosting Shavj in Algarve, and uh, Shavj's nightmare season continues. I stand by it here. I think the Flavians are going to the second division at the end of the season, I, unless they make some real good signings here in the January window. I don't see how they stay up. This was this is a match they've got to get some points on the road in front of 1,553 in Portimo. Man, the attendances in this league are just pitiful. But Portimonense win 2-1 to one goals from Varela and Carillo, while uh, Shavs get one late uh, from Souza to make it uh, seem a little bit closer. At the Rebuleira, it is Strela taking on Moreirense, and this one goes down to the end as well. This one is in the 90th, and it is André Luiz putting Moreirense in front, and Moreirense... The last year's second division winners pick up three crucial points here against Strela. And this one's played in front of 3,458. Vizela versus Fumlikão, one of the many menu derbies in this league. And um, disappointing afternoon for both teams. I think Fumlikão starting to disappoint me a bit here. Uh, this one was played at the Stadio de Vizela, and this one in front of 2,235 or 2,235 is a nil-nil draw, a share of the spoils to each. Vitória Guimarães coach uh, Alvaro Pacheco, very um, very blunt in this post-match uh, talk as he says that the better team lost on the night, the better team if that is in fact true, was Vitória Guimarães. They did take the lead thanks to Andrea Andrea in the in the 17th minute here. Sorry, Andrea Silva, excuse me. In the 17th minute, they take the lead after he misses his penalty kick. He does put the rebound away and put the Conquistadores on the on the board first. But Porto fight back. We know Porto have fight. They may be not in the best of form this season. They are going to be. They did come in excited after beating eleven traffic cones, also known as Royal Antwerp, in uh, midweek. They just in those two games. I'm telling you, Royal Antwerp resembled traffic cones or or, or stop signs. Eleven of them, much more than they did a football team. But in this one, Porto come back. Zaidu Sanusi in the 39th and Shiku Konseisan in the 59th. And in front of 21,353 at the Don Alphonse in Riche. Uh, Porto take three points in a, in a place that's hard to get three points. And they're going to be happy with that, obviously. Sunday's match is now Bovista at home to Farence. They're beaten at the 
at the at the uh, Besa, and a um, bit of a sh- surprising result for me. Maybe maybe I should pay more attention to this. This is probably why I'm in second to last place in the Long Ball Football Podcast's uh, um, prediction table. I am absolutely horrible. So much so that this week I forgot to even enter my, I forgot to even enter my picks this week. But um, yeah, Ferenc goes into Bessa and beats Boavista. I really thought Boavista had something this season, uh, but uh, all of I think all of the problems off the pitch are starting to uh, show their signs. I think Petit has done well to get them where they are right now. And has done well. To uh, get what he's gotten out of them, and he'll continue to do that till the end of the season. But it, I, maybe I was starting to expect too much out of him, given the situation that they are in. Ferenc's goals: uh, Elves in the 29th, Easy Easy in the 90th plus two, and and uh, Barboz in the 90th plus six. So uh, Bosnik, when he scored for Bovis in the 86th, had tied the match and probably thought he'd rescued a point, but Ferenc pick up two. Stoppage time goals here to win 3-1. to one. This one played in front of them. Only 6,520. Boavista needs better attendance. Maybe they could they could pay their players if people went to the matches. Just going to put that out there for you guys, uh, you Boavista fans, okay? Maybe, maybe you should go to the matches and maybe your players will get paid and they'll play better. Just saying. Gilles Vicente, 1-1 at home to Huav. This one played in front of 3,338, while Roca hosts Braga, and Braga keep pace with the top three here as uh, um, Alvaro Jalo finds the back of the goal in the 36th minute. This one played at the Stadio Municipal de Roca in front of only 1,525. And of course, as you know, Benfica 2-1 winners in the final match of the week over Sporting. And that takes us to the table, which will be available on uh, on www.mrbenfica.com. Well, sometime, sometime on Wednesday. I'm not doing it tonight. It's already too late. But Benfica, new leaders, thanks to the head-to-head and the goal difference rule. They lead on both right now over Sporting. Both teams with 28 points. Third place is Football Club de Porto with 25. Uh, Sporting Braga third with 23. Fifth place right now belongs to Morenense. They are one point better than Vitória Guimarães right now to a place that most likely is going to be a Europa Conference League spot when all is said and done, unless somebody outside of the Big Four uh, win the Taça de Portugal this season. Seventh place, Famalicão with 16 points. Farense are 8th with also 16 points. Bovista 9th with 15. Portimonense 10th with 14. Gil Vicente and Estrela Amadora 11th and 12th respectively each with 11 points. Isturil, Vizela and Casapia all have 10. They're 13th, 14th and 15th and starting to creep close to that drop zone in the playoff spot right now. The relegation playoff spot in 16th is Riuav 9 points and then Shavj and Roca in the bottom two with seven and six points each. Top scorers now in the league, um, and the the race is still being led by Braga's Simon Panza with 10 goals right now. Hector Hernandez of Chaves and Victor Jorquez of Sporting each have seven in second. Paulinho of Sporting is next with six, same as Ricardo Orta and Robert Bosnick of uh, Bovista. 
And then a whole slew of players, including Angel Di Maria, with five. Week 12, or match day 12, around 12, whatever you want to call it. Fixture list. Uh, don't hurry. <laughs> the round 12 won't be until Friday, December the 1st. That's when the league returns. Shavs hosting Vizela in that one. And then on Saturday, December the 2nd, Farence will host Vitória Guimarães. Chihuahua hosts Estrela da Madura. Famalicão hosting Futebol Clube do Porto. And uh, Casapia welcome Portimonense to Rio Maior. And then Sunday, December the 3rd, Braga hosting Estoril. Moreirense, welcome Benfica to uh, Moreira dos Cónegos. Uh, that'll be a 6 p.m. Portuguese kickoff time on Sunday, December the 3rd. And then in the nightcap that day, Bovista hosting Roca. And then on Monday night, in Monday night football, you'll have Sporting versus Gil Vicente. That's it for this episode. That's it for 177. Here on Mr. Benfica, I'm the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Don't forget, if you haven't already, please give me a follow on Twitter. I'm trying to grow this this base a little bit, trying to grow this following. Um, kind of stuck at where I am right now for a few weeks. I'd love to get some more followers. That's at Mike Agustinho, at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O, or on Instagram, at Mr. Benfica. And... Uh, you can also join on Facebook. If Facebook's your thing, that's at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And I'll be back with more content uh, throughout the week. Uh, we got to talk women's team. They had a, a big match today at Barcelona in the Women's Champions League. I uh, held off yet another day to do that one because I didn't want to I didn't want to uh, hurry and put out an episode on the women's team and then have that match, you know, be played and have nobody care about the two previous ones. So uh, that'll probably be the next thing to drop. Liga 3 English will also drop. But there's no men's football this weekend in Portugal other than that one cup game between Famalicão and Camacha. So um, I'll get that out to you in the next couple of days. And uh, shout out to the men's basketball team as well. It was not an easy one, but they... Uh, they played tough today against Galatasaray, a very, very good team. And um, I still want to do a Modlida, another Modlidaj episode in the very near future. And maybe now with the international break, that could be uh, that could be the opportunity to do it. I also, I've got a special episode coming this Sunday. I'm going to be sitting down and talking with, with somebody. And um, it'll be completely different. And I think it'll be very fitting for, uh, for the international break. And... Um, I look forward to sharing that with you uh, early next week. So that's it for this episode. I'm the Mr. Michael Agostinho. I'm signing off. Carrega Benfica. Força Benfica. If you love football, you love Benfica. Damu Trintinov. And of course, e pluribus unum. This has been Mr. Benfica, and I am out of here. Peace. Peace.